Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest disasters and figure out who's to blame. Today we'll be discussing the eggnog riot of 1826. A special shout out to our listener, Cynthia, from San Diego for the recommendation. So let's get started. Here's what you need to know. Mmm, eggnog. The delicious seasonal drink made of eggs, milk, heavy cream, sugar, and nutmeg, spiked with your alcohol of choice. Bourbon, rum, cognac, just the thought of this special holiday treat takes one to a cozy fire surrounded by family and friends singing Christmas carols, everyone sporting their favorite holiday sweater. But is it possible that the most wholesome of all alcoholic beverages could have been the cause of inciting a riot at the West Point Military Academy 200 years ago? Just the fact that I'm asking the question means the answer is probably yes. It was Christmas Eve, 1826, at the West Point Military Academy, just 50 miles north of New York City. At that point, the Academy was just 24 years old. It had opened its doors in 1802 with just 10 cadets, trained by three teachers. But by 1826, the Academy had grown to 260 cadets, all living in the school's barracks. In the past, the men had been allowed to have two parties a year one on the 4th of July and the other on Christmas. But the Academy's new superintendent, Colonel Sylvanus Thayer, had recently forbidden the use of alcohol at the school. 
Alcohol possession could lead to expulsion, and even smoking tobacco could affect one's chances of graduating. Due to the strict regulations, that year's Christmas celebration had been canceled. Or so the administration thought. Just past midnight, in the early morning hours of Christmas, the party began. A group of cadets had snuck out a few nights before and smuggled back a bounty of booze patched together from local taverns. Gallons of eggnog were made and passed around by a few cadets partaking in the illicit celebration. At first, the party started small, with just nine cadets hanging out in a single room. But by 2 a.m., the party was bumpin'. More cadets had joined and spread among more rooms in the North Barracks. That's when Captain Ethan Allen Hitchcock, who'd been ordered by the superintendent to make sure no partying happened, awoke to jubilous singing coming from upstairs. Upon investigation, Captain Hitchcock found a dozen or so men visibly drunk and ordered them to disperse. But just as the cadets scrambled back to their rooms, he heard more noises coming from another room further down. There, Hitchcock discovered another group of men also heavily intoxicated. That's when a young cadet named Jefferson Davis, who'd later become the president of the Confederacy, burst in and exclaimed, Put away the grog, boys. Old Hitch is coming. Right to Hitchcock's face. The captain dispersed the group and continued on, only to find yet another group of sloppy, inebriated men in a different room, two of which were hiding under blankets, and one of which was disguising his face behind a hat. At this point, Hitchcock was furious, and the cadets were too wasted to care. In an effort to shut down the partying, Hitchcock read them the Riot Act and deemed their Christmas shenanigans unlawful. But this did not stop the men, and things quickly got heated. After exiting the room, Hitchcock heard one of the men say, Get your dirks and bayonets and pistols if you have them. Before this night is over, Hitchcock will be dead. They began throwing sticks and rocks at Hitchcock's door. Some of them grabbed their swords, muskets, and bayonets and started running up and down the barrack halls. Lieutenant William Thornton arrived to assess the situation and was met with a sword to the face. He was later hit by a cadet with a piece of wood and knocked down. The men barricaded themselves into a room, and when Hitchcock attempted to break it down, he was met with a pistol to the face. Luckily, he was not hit when the cadet pulled the trigger and shot at him. Hoping to take control of the situation, Hitchcock ordered a sentinel to, quote, Bring the calm here. By calm, he was referring to the commander of cadets, William Worth. But rumors spread among the drunk students that he had requested the aid of the Bombardiers, a unit of regular artillery men despised by the cadets. For the men, this was the final straw. They began destroying everything in sight. Dishes, furniture, and windows were broken. Even banisters were ripped from the stairways. By the time Commandant Worth arrived, the barracks were in shambles, and the entire academy awoke to a sorry sight. The men who'd partied, many of them still drunk, stumbled out from their barracks, some barefoot, disheveled and looking like hell. Commandant Worth quickly restored order, as he was an imposing force amongst the cadets, and after four hours of much destruction, the riot was over. The night's events left Captain Hitchcock and Lieutenant Thornton with bruises, and several cadets suffered minor injuries. It is believed that at least 90 of the Academy's 260 students, that's one-third of the entire school, had participated in the riot of eggic proportions. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats Superintendent Thayer did not want West Point's image to suffer, and the United States Army badly needed trained officers. So instead of charging all 90 of the men, he zeroed in on 19 of the worst offenders. Following weeks of investigation, court-martial proceedings began on January 26, 1827. Jefferson Davis was spared, 
possibly for his immediate compliance with Hitchcock's orders, and eventually released from house arrest after six weeks' confinement. He testified in the proceedings in his peers' defense. Another young cadet, Robert E. Lee, who later became a Confederate general, didn't partake in any of the mischief, but spoke in defense of some of the classmates. All told, six cadets resigned, 19 were court-martialed, 10 expelled, including two future Confederate generals and a future Supreme Court judge, and many were confined to quarters for more than a month. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Thanks for having me back, Rebecca. <laughs> it's, it's your pleasure. Fact checker Chris Smith. I didn't know that we had to get asked back. We, I, I figured at this point... <laughs> We, this is, I'm part of the this show. This is your right? last, this is your last oh, episode. Oh, no! And our very special guest is returning, uh, returning, uh, what would you call a superstar? S- superstar, exactly. Fan favorite, <laughs> Rebecca Johnson. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, so you guys remember Rebecca from uh, the uh, uh, NASA. Um, Challenger. Challenger explosion. Uh, O-rings, baby. O-rings. But, you know, if you haven't heard that episode, make make sure to check it out. Um, Rebecca's also an actor, a comedian, writer. You can follow her on Instagram at HelloRebecca. That's with two Ks. She's also a member of the Apple Sisters comedy group, and they have a holiday album that is wonderful, for this time of year. So you guys should check it out. So this is my first question. Where has Seth Rogen been? Like he's been sleeping on this movie. I mean, he has a stable of dudes that could all easily just slip into one of these characters. Oh my gosh, that would be just like the most fun Christmas movie ever. I feel like maybe instead of putting this out as an episode, you guys should just write the movie. Let's see how much we can get done in terms of development on, okay. this, on this podcast <laughs> to see where it goes from there. I can see Chris as a young, handsome Captain Hitchcock. <laughs> That's Great. right. He wasn't that old. He wasn't that old when it was happening. Well, yeah, the night kind of gets away from Hitchcock. So I, I don't know. He's kind of like a seems seems kind of like a bumbling idiot in this in mm. This whole debacle. We'll see. And I, it's I, the perfect fit. Not- <laughs> <laughs> so I think we can start off by putting eggnog, the drink, up on the board. Interesting. Ooh. According to Smithsonian Magazine, Colonial America, the drink was enjoyed widely by people of all classes, thanks to uh, in large part to a newfound abundance of ingredients. Dairy farms were prevalent in the colonies. So eggs galore and cream galore. So I, I I keep saying eggs. Why? Yeah, eggs, cream, some like sugar. And then you shake that up and you could put vanilla in it and then rum. And then rum. <laughs> Which rum is really, rum should be on the board. Mm. <laughs> and because honestly, before, if there was no rum in it and it was just eggs and cream, it'd be like drinking a raw cake. Well, I, I, I also think we should put the triangle trade up on the board, which was during the height of the, um, so, so rum is uh, prevalent, sugar, slaves, and rum, right? They all came together because they would have the sugarcane fields uh, in the Caribbean, rum, and, and this made rum widely available. Should we get slaver, slavery up there on the board just because? Just slave I mean. Slave yeah, w- without them, there'd be no tax-free rum. So, right, exactly. Yeah. So apparently George Washington even had a very famous recipe for the drink. Because maybe we can put George Washington up on the board. George Washington, by the way, just fact checker checking in here. He was the, America's first president. <laughs> Thank goodness Chris is here. <laughs> so George Washington has a very popular eggnog recipe that he used to serve in Mount Vernon in Virginia. And this is what he put in. This is what it is. One quart of cream, one quart of milk, one Mm. dozen tablespoons of sugar, (laughs) 
One dozen. <laughs> One dozen tape. Like, I'm sure there's like a quarter of a cup or something measurement, but you know what? It was the 1700s. <laughs> One, I'm not going to judge history. <laughs> <laughs> One pint of brandy, half a pint of rye whiskey, half a pint of Jamaican rum, half a pint of sherry. Mix liquor first, <laughs> then separate yolks Stop. and whites of 12 eggs. Add sugar to beaten yolks. Yolks. Mix well. Add milk and cream, slowly beating. Beat whites of eggs until stiff and fold slowly into the mixture. Let it uh, set in a cool place for several days. Several days. Guys, <laughs> several days. Taste frequently. Okay, I have a well, for the frequently next. Frequently over several days. <laughs> that's a, that's part of the recipe. <laughs> I have an idea. Okay, next party we have after the pandemic <laughs> will be the George Washington eggnog. Egg puke challenge okay whoever can drink the most egg george washington eggnog without puking which will probably be like one glass oh wins it's the long island iced tea with dairy it's really it's really disgusting to me to imagine like frat boys what i'm equating to frat boys like chugging eggnog because it's one thing to do like vodka soda or like a jungle juice which is usually like cranberry and seven up but it's like eggnog is so filling like it really would get you super drunk yes and like a nasty hangover you would not want to be in the outhouses the next day oh I think we should put George Washington up on the board um, just for popularizing. And he popularized an extremely potent version of it. So we should also put the superintendent, Sylvanus Thayer. Um, so Thayer was the one who was brought in to be strict and turn this place around. Thayer, the Academy's strict and foreboding superintendent, had express, uh, expressly forbidden the purchase, storage, or consumption of alcohol at West Point, a move that reflected the bold discipline that he Thayer brought to West Point. Before Thayer became superintendent in 1817, West Point hardly resembled the esteemed military academy of modern times. When it first opened its doors in 1802, it was nothing more than a few ramshackle buildings mm. with 10 cadets taught by three teachers. Students were admitted at any point during the year. And admission standards were laughable. All these uh, began to change after the War of 1812, when America's military failings inspired Congress to spend more money on the institution. They instated Thayer as superintendent, hoping that he would bring order to the derelict academy. Known as the father of West Point, Thayer revolutionized the academy with his strict rules. Students at West Point weren't allowed to leave campus, cook in their dorms, or duel. <laughs> no killing each other, guys. Hey, guys, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys, hey. guys what did I say about killing each other? <laughs> <laughs> Mostly, Thayer's monastic-like discipline succeeded in turning the academy from a chaotic institution to a respected place of learning. Thayer was strict, but he wasn't dense. Cadets had smuggled alcohol in the academy before, and those situations had been dealt with on an individual basis. He assumed that with the holidays there would be a similar incident. In fact, he discussed such a possibility with colleagues at a small party the night before. But Thayer took nothing more than the standard precautions, assigning the same two officers, Captain Ethan Allen Hitchcock and Lieutenant William A. Thornton, to monitor the North Barracks. Also, this is just a side note, Thayer had gotten rid of, of one tavern in the town. Uh, North's Tavern, as it was called, was so close to the academy that it often enticed cadets. Thayer dealt with his temptation by purchasing the property and turning the tavern into a hospital. He made it this, like, abstinence-only thing. People are going to still sneak around and, mm -hmm. you know, instead give them their two parties a year. Give them their one tavern. Give a drink mm -hmm. ticket. I was going to talk about this a little later, but there was, at this time, this is a 19th century problem with alcohol, specifically with alcohol, which we learned about in the Prohibition episode, but... Everything that, you know, happened 100 years later, later in 1920 uh, with Prohibition started right now. 
Let's just take a quick break to speak with guest expert Clint Lanier, eggnog and drink historian, as well as co-author of Drunken History, a historical deep dive on booze and drinking culture. So what was drinking like in the early 1800s? I mean, could these cadets really hold their liquor? Oh, man, drinking was everywhere. Um, it's been argued that that the average person in America above the age of 14 uh, drank about six pure gallons of alcohol every year. Like that's the amount they consume. Now it's today it's about two or three gallons. And when I say pure, I mean 100% alcohol. And when you consider that like a shot of you know, Jack Daniels or something is only 80 proof, so it's only 40% alcohol. Um, you know, we're talking Everclear. So like six gallons of Everclear every year is what every man, woman, and child above the age of 14 drank. So, uh, booze was ubiquitous. It was everywhere. Um, it was, uh, some would say pernicious. Um, we, uh, and we drank everything. We drank, uh, rum, we drank corn whiskey, we drank, you know, wine, (laughs) we drank everything we can get our hands on. Kids drank it. Uh, you know, beer was a table beverage for children. Um, hard cider was a table beverage for children. Uh, we, we drank a lot, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna let my kids drink until they're at least 15. So, you know, it's, <laughs> things are a lot different now. Listen to our full interview with guest expert Clint Lanier on Thursday's Aftermath episode. Now back to our conversation. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy... Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist. It's technically, America is technically a frat. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a surprise? All of this hearty drinking attracted a great deal of attention. The founding fathers were quite concerned. It was not so much the use of alcohol that worried them. They all drank as its excessive use. George Washington, a whiskey distiller himself, thought that distilled spirits were the ruin of half the workmen in the country. John Adams, whose daily breakfast included a tankard of alcoholic hard cider. <laughs> What's a, a tankard? tankard? We need to get the fact checker on I'll, what is I'll a tankard. I'll get on that. Okay. I don't usually take my job very seriously, but I will get to the bottom of what a tankard is. Because 
I'm picturing like a tanker truck, like a truck full. <laughs> it's got, of it's like a, a keg. It's got a hose that yeah. he just <laughs> drinks out of. It's like cock a doodle doo. Good morning, and his truck pulls up. I guess they didn't have trucks then. No, it's a wagon. It's oh, a wagon. I got bad news, guys. Oh, it's, re- it's just it. a tall mug. It's oh. really just a tall mug. Yeah. Uh, so he <laughs> said, is it not mortifying that we Americans should exceed all other people in the world in the degra- degrading, beastly vice of intemperance? And Thomas Jefferson, a wine connoisseur, an inventor of the presidential cocktail party, <laughs> feared <laughs> that okay. the use of cheap raw we'll whiskey let that one slide. <laughs> was spreading through the mass of our citizens. Look, sounds like drinking is a problem. But yeah. it also is like they're all like like Washington's a distiller and it's like half the country's going to hell because of dis- this distilled liquor. You're like, you're doing it, Dick. <laughs> Putting that concept on the board as America's hearty drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. That's good. That's good, Amanda. I like that. So I don't know if they are actually drank himself. Everything I read about him was that he was pretty buttoned up. Now, um, do you, what do you blame Thayer for? Like not thinking it was going to be a bigger problem than it was or cracking down on alcohol? Mm-hmm. I think too strict of a code of conduct. So I think we should put too strict of a code of conduct up on the board. Here's some of the things that Thayer uh, brought with his strict code of conduct, according to NewYorkUpstate.com. He prohibited cadets from leaving campus, card playing, using tobacco, cooking in their dorms, and even reading novel novels. Cadets were fed a strict diet of beef, bread, and water. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Yikes. Um, and then history.net says, uh, sorry, historynet.com. Cadet life <laughs> was as Spartan as it was rigorous. The cadets slept on mattresses on the floors of their rooms. Heat came from small fireplaces that did little to moderate the winter winds whistling off the Hudson River. Often the cadets studied wrapped in blankets, their numb feet pressed against the fender around the fire. In the morning, they mustered on the plain, the school's riverside drill field, even when it was covered with ice. They are wanted soldiers who could function without c- civilian creature comforts. No cadet was permitted to receive money from home. They had to live on their $10 a month pay from uh, which the cost of uniforms, swords, swords, <laughs> you buy your own swords. Okay. Swords for sale. <laughs> I guess swords were cheap. Blankets and other items were deducted. Their 15-hour days were filled with classwork, study, drill, po- uh, policing their rooms, uh, which were inspected by the tax three times a day. It's like, uh, what is it, when you're pledging a fraternity and the time where they torture you, it feels like that's the entirety of going to that school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, hazing is just your life. <laughs> hazing, that's what it is. Yeah, they, they invented hazing. He was a sadistic. He was sadistic, that guy. I don't think any of us would be friends with him. Probably, if, if any of us were going to be friends with him, it would probably be me. I would be most likely <laughs> to be friends You'd like the sense of control. Well, <laughs> as far as an alarmist goes, he seems like one. Like, he really seems like he's trying to get these guys into shape, you know, ready for, ready for war, etc. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and you get it. It's like, these are young men, and things can get out of control fast. So he's just trying to you know, prepare them. And I think in his mind, he's doing the right thing. But I have something. Can I put something up on the board? Yes. We should know by now, and Thayer should have known this, you can't cancel Christmas. Like, even in, like, you know, you hear about the Christmas truce in World War I where the American and German soldiers sing Christmas carols across the trenches. It's like, you are so stupid if you think you can tell people not to have a drink on Christmas. You know what? It was before Christmas movies were made. And I feel like, you know, we have learned so much from all those movies. Yeah. Lifetime. Yeah. yeah. A real teacher uh, teaching tool. That's true. So I think we should put the Christmas spirit up on the board. Yeah. Nice. Canceling. Canceling Christmas spirit. Yeah. The canceling the Christmas spirit. Yeah. Cancel culture started back then. I, I think you're right. I, you, you just can't expect people to follow uh, the rules all the time. People got to let loose sometimes. 
of course, keep them safe. Like maybe like corral them, make sure you're watching them because <laughs> you know they're going to go crazy when they let loose. Well, I think we're seeing that some of that right now with people sort of rebelling against the coronavirus mm-hmm. restrictions. You know what it, it is occurring to me is that a, a, a very... American tradition is to riot for stupid things. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like the no mask thing. Like, really? Just put a dumb mask on. Or taxing for tea. We're so entitled to this right. I mean, even now you see they're saying, like, you can't get together with anyone outside of your household. But yes, you can protest about anything in a park. Like, go ahead. It's your right. And so I feel like it's like this idea. We've talked about frivolous lawsuits in the hot coffee lawsuit episode. Maybe we should put frivolous riots up on the board. Mm. Yeah. And I also something you said that I I also think we can put up on the board is like American um, entitlement male entitlement because that's who they all were yes that's definitely who they all were (laughs) there was not a woman you don't hear about like a woman being like hey guys maybe we should keep it down a little bit right let's keep our swords why don't we lock up our swords since we're wasted yeah yeah (laughs) i mean that's so that's too practical oh my god that's you two at a party (laughs) Yeah, me and, Am- me and Amanda are like, let's take out the swords. We're getting wasted. Uh, guys, they're doing sword okay. shots. <laughs> okay, last time Amanda took out her sword. So this time we're locking up Amanda's sword because we know how she gets. She uh, nope, a little gun away on. too. Gun has to go away too. I mean, thank- thankfully they were so wasted they couldn't actually aim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Missed him right in the face. He pointed it right at his face. <laughs> you know, another thing I'm just realizing too is like these are like strong men. These are young men at their prime, right? Mm-hmm. They're in military school. <laughs> oh my god, I'm just realizing I I didn't in my notes put the the men up on the board. <laughs> uh we better get oh him up gosh. now. So get him up. Well, the actual men who did it. <laughs> Cray- yes, Cray- I have a habit of doing this. The kooky yeah. cadets? The 90. Or- 90 cadets. And that's okay. really, like, what is that when, like, a whole crowd, like, mob mob mentality. Mob mentality. Yeah. 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 Can we also, like, put up not having women in the military? Like, again, we would have been so sensible about our partying. We would have had wine and spa time and no, there'd be no riot. We would have made sure everyone was drinking water spacers with their eggnog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and some snacks. You need to mm-hmm. eat if you're going to be drinking. I don't know. I've seen the th- all three of you around a bottle of Chardonnay. I'm not so sure. I'm not, I'm not so sure I believe any of this. Honestly. But the listeners haven't seen any of us drink. <laughs> That's true. To be honest, we'd all just be asleep. <laughs> That's probably most likely. <laughs> So we got the men up on the board. I also think we have to put Captains Hitchcock and Thornton up on the board. As we remember, Hitchcock and Thornton went to bed around midnight, and according to them, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Then, of course, they woke up a few hours later, crashed the party. Now, when Hitchcock gets to the room with the cadets hiding, the one where they're hiding under the blanket and the guy is using a hat as a mask. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I remember that detail. This is drunk stuff. <laughs> quick, quick, where do we hide? Here, take this. Put it over your face. Like, if you can't see him, he can't see you. Oh, it's so good. Oh, there's only uh, one person in here in a large hat rack. <laughs> So, of course, Hitchcock seems to start losing his composure at that moment. According to Smithsonian Magazine, a third cadet, also drunk, refuses to show his face using the hat as a makeshift mask. (laughs) And as Hitchcock continued to demand the cadet reveal his identity, (laughs) a few angry words were exchanged, enough to enrage other cadets nearby, who, after Hitchcock left, shouted... That's when they said, get your drinks, dirks and bayonets and pistols if you have them. Before the night is over, Hitchcock will be dead. I feel like it's hard to blame Hitchcock, though, because he's like, just like, I mean, I don't know. He He's the victim. He's the victim of this. <laughs> but he didn't deal with it very well. I mean, that that's when he pulls out the, the riot act. He reads the riot act. 
you but, do not read the riot act to a drunk person no. <laughs> okay that is the last thing you want to hear when you're drunk is some your boss like reading you the riot act <laughs> so what just, he should have done sorry real quick is like ordered a bunch of pizzas Oh, that's such a good idea. Um, So uh, just so everyone knows, the Riot Act was an act of Parliament of Great Britain, which authorized local authorities to declare any group of 12 or more people to be unlawfully assembled and to disperse or face punitive actions. Uh, Consequences of disregarding the proclamation, if a group of people failed to disperse within one hour of the proclamation, the act provided that the authorities could use force to disperse them. Anyone assisting with the disperse. Dispersal was specifically indemnified against any legal consequences in the event of any any of the crowd being injured or killed. Well, that's crazy. And apparently the Riot Act was overturned in the 1970s. That's probably for the best. Right. Because (laughs) you can't just do anything you want to people gathering in a space. But I want to put the Riot Act on the board because I feel like it was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy where they read the Riot Act and then the uh, cadets were like, you want to see a riot? We'll show you a riot. Right. Yeah, I love that, Amanda. Amanda. So that's uh, in the Seth Rogen movie. Yeah. <laughs> you want... That you, we're writing. And he, you want yeah. to see You want to see a riot? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> is Grover in the movie from Sesame Street? <laughs> I just want to say, this is kind of a side note, and it is a little bit in Hitchcock's defense, that he Hitchcock was a, uh, the hallmark of Hitchcock's career began in 1841 with his appointment to investigate rumors of fraud in Indian territory. So he then becomes, uh, he investigates uh, painstakingly and thorough, uncovering a wide range of offenses involved uh, involving dishonest business practices among some of the agents and contractors in Indian territory, which we just learned about the Trail of Tears. He rings the alarm, but however, because of the delicate negotiations with the Cherokees at the time, the government suppressed his report of graft and corruption for more than a year before presenting it to Congress. He seems to be on the right side of history, is all I'm saying, and there are so few of these people. Hitchcock strikes me as an RA who just had a rough night, you know? He was trying to sleep. He was saying, I know what they're doing. I'm not going to bother them. I'm just going to sleep. I'm going to try to go to sleep. And when it was too loud, he had to deal with it and created a riot. Jefferson Davis put his name up on the board. And, of course, the other other smuggling co- uh, cadets. Smithsonian Magazine writes, Not to be denied a night of revelry, some cadets set about smuggling in liquor from nearby taverns for the holiday party. One of the cadets was Jefferson Davis, future president of the Confederacy. Jes- Jefferson had a history of bad behavior with alcohol. A member of the class of 1828, he was the first student to be arrested for going to Benny Haven, one of the local uh, two taverns located near West Point and the only one which allowed students to barter for alcohol. <laughs> Another time, Davis was reportedly so drunk that he fell down a 60-foot ravine. He wasn't one <laughs> to shy away from a good party and was enthusiastically on board with the other cadets' plan to bring booze to the holiday party. He was also the one who yelled in Hitchcock's face, put away the grog, boys, Captain Hitchcock's coming. (laughs) (laughs) He seems Uh, like a a, a big, a big, a big jerk, like just like a big alpha douche. He does. And he got away with it. Yeah, it was the president of the Confederacy. So that's that's a rough one to kind of shake (laughs) off. So he got away with it because when Hitchcock told him to go away, he was so drunk that apparently he went back to his room and passed out. And so he was not one of the 19 people uh, expelled or or taken to trial. Okay, so let's put him up on the board. I also want to put Martin's Tavern for being the supplier of the alcohol. This was a uh, tavern up the Hudson. So the local tavern, it it was too expensive for them to get the, the whiskey. And they had to go down the Hudson to another tavern to get the alcohol at a price that they could afford because remember they only got $10 a month and that's where they had a few glasses while they were there and bought like something like three or four gallons of whiskey, three or four (laughs) gallons of whiskey. (laughs) Also, I also want to put up 35 cents. The amount of money. Okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, you're being mysterious, Rebecca. 
I know, don't you love it? While smuggling the booze back to the academy, they ran into an, an enlisted soldier standing guard in the dock. But they paid the man a whopping 35 cents for him to turn his back while they unloaded their cargo. The containers of alcohol were then stored among the cadets' private possessions, hidden until the night of Christmas. The, the, those were the three or four gallons of whiskey. I like that because I like the idea of 35 cents sitting in the alarmist jail. <laughs> it, is a, it is a clean image. I also think it's like 35 cents is so cheap. I mean, I, I know that it's been a while, right? But well, let's let's get the fact checker on it. I'm curious how much. Maybe it's like a million dollars today. <laughs> All right, dollar and eighteen thirty is worth twenty eight dollars now. So a third of that, pretty much. <laughs> wow. So, so not that much. Not that much. Uh, eight bucks. Yeah, eight bucks. Eight nine bucks. <laughs> How'd they come upon that? <laughs> hey, buddy. I don't know. Just stop for me. It's like giving a guy a burrito. It's like giving the guard a burrito. <laughs> and before we start picking who's to blame, I also want to put up the 4th of July, 1825. Mm. According to NewYorkUpstate.com, in a small act of leniency, they are still allowed the drinking of alcohol by cadets on the 4th of July and Christmas. This was before the 4th of July of 1825, where eggnog was traditionally served. But they came to a halt after a rowdy celebration uh, in 1825, which included a, quote, snake dance... And then the hoisting of West Point's commandant, commandant, William Worth, remember the guy from who later came in? Uh, They hoisted him onto the shoulders of the cadets. So in early 1826, they are banned all possession of of liquor and the offenders would be arrested and expelled. And of course, the cadets were furious. Because that makes sense. I feel like that gives some good context that they had a crazy party. He let one crazy party happen. It was too crazy. They are sounding more and more like a good friend of mine. <laughs> Sounds more <laughs> like the cadets. If they had behaved themselves at 4th of July, they get their Christmas party. Okay, so who's to blame for the eggnog riots? Is it eggnog, rum, triangle trade, slave owners, George Washington, Superintendent Sylvanus Thayer, America, aka the the Grinch, <laughs> America's hearty drinking, too strict of a code of conduct, canceling Christmas spirit, frivolous riots, American entitlement, the ninety cadets, mob mentality, no women in the military, Captains Hitchcock and Thornton, the Riot Act. Jefferson Davis and other smuggling cadets. Martini Martin's Tavern, supplier of the alcohol, 35 cents for the 4th of July, wow. 1825. That's this a is a long list. <laughs> First off, I think we can take off eggnog. I mean, it's not eggnog's fault that they this was the drink of their choice for this particular party. It's no. not fault. It's not its fault that it's so delicious. Mm-mm. That's right. That's right. By that same logic, you could take off 35 cents, too, because it's sort of like the same thing. It's just the thing that was being, I don't know, used by the offenders. That's good. Let's take that off. I agree. Fourth of July. That's that. Uh, that actually should stay up there. Uh, Martin's Tavern. It's just, you know, supply and demand. Capitalism. I mean, it doesn't care. These and it was legal. Grown men. Yeah, it, it, they're not doing anything wrong. I think also rum and the triangle trade are kind of in the same boat as eggnog. Right, right. I mean, rug is, uh, rum is more, right? Because that's the alcohol. And how about slave owners? I mean, don't like them, but are they to blame? <laughs> they're not so directly to blame for that. Not for riot. this tragedy. No. 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 I mean, most of these men probably became them. But by getting them, if we get them, we got slave owners, right. too. Um, okay, so let's keep Jefferson Davis and the cadets. The Riot Act, that's a bad one. What do you think about taking Hitchcock off? Hitchcock yeah. and Thornton. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was I, their fault. I don't think so, either. Yeah, I think we can take them off. I think, if anything, and I'm sorry to say this, Rebecca, but Thayer is more to blame. They were just following orders. 
Right, but uh, you could have followed them better, right? <laughs> I'm such a thayer. <laughs> you are such a thayer. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I agree. And anyway, the riot act is still up, so that makes me feel good. Although now that I know about the 4th of July, I'm like, I would, I think you could get rid of canceling Christmas spirit and too strict of a code of conduct because he gave them leeway in July and they messed up and then, you know, they yeah. decide, they didn't learn their lesson. I mean, should we put the snake dance on the board? <laughs> oh, yeah. How did we let that yes. slide? What the hell was that? <laughs> because, like, what's so... But also, it's like, they yeah, they ruined it for everyone, but, like, what's so wrong with a snake dance? Yeah, they hoisted him up on his shoulders. That's fun. That is fun. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's not, is it that hard to, like, let some cadets have their snake dance? Yeah. I mean, I feel like if nobody was injured, this thing could have totally been rebranded as the eggnog snake dance party. <laughs> if they would have, you know like what? If, if they would have had women in the military, it might have. Um, I think I, we can take off mob mentality. Yes, I agree. I also think that we can take off. Um, oh, oh, what I was going to say is that maybe we should put American prudism up on the board Ooh. because it's like, what's so bad about a snake dance and a hoisting? Right. <laughs> hoisting. I guess a hoisting without consent is not good. Right. It's not good. You don't know Especially if he said yes or no before, before right. he was consent hoisted. before hoist. So going back to what Rebecca uh, said, should we take off canceling Christmas spirit and too strict a code of conduct? Or do we like to keep those for now? No, I, I like that. I like that. And I also think we can take George Washington off. It's kind of a reach to blame him. Right. But I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Uh, now what about frivolous riots and american entitlement i feel like we those could maybe go i think frivolous riots could go but i think american entitlement that's a big part of the cadets right yeah that's their mentality yeah Mm. it kind Uh, of wrap i mean it could be i don't know if you can wrap them together in some sort of bow i'm at a little hard time calling what these cadets entitled given the fact that they're sleeping on the ground and only get <laughs> mm. 10 bucks a month to live off of 80 dollars a month i think we can take off entitlement because they they are just trying to serve their country too yeah okay That's true. fine so we still have superintendent sylvanus thayer the grinch america's hearty drinking the cadets 90 of them no women in the military the riot act jefferson jefferson davis and the smuggling ones uh, 4th of July, 1825, snake dance, American prudism. Mm-hmm. How about hearty drinking? I think we can lose. Yes, yes, I agree. And uh, honestly, if these guys are doing snake dances and drinking delicious drink cocktails, I've seen all of you guys at a party, and I think you would have been right alongside with them. <laughs> so I'm not sure having women in the military would have made a difference. Mm. That's true. I might have drank more. <laughs> Rebecca would have actually landed the shot. The <laughs> That's true. Face. I would be practicing while drunk my shooting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Okay, so I think we can also now take the snake dance off. Okay. And maybe the 4th of July, even though I made a big eff- effort for it. I feel like this event got out of control that night, right? Like right. that night got out of control. We have Thayer, the cadets, the riot act. I mean, the riot act is looking bad to me. Um, but uh, Jefferson Davis, ugh, we can't let him get away with it. Right? I know, but he didn't riot is the thing. He passed out. So, I mean, he started the party, though. Yeah, he so that par- is bad. Yeah, he partied and smuggled, and but then he didn't get to any of the bad stuff. He didn't. Mm. Re- he wasn't there when they he, took out the bayonets. Yeah, he and- probably pre-gamed too hard. Like on the boat on the way back, he probably had a few sips of those of that whiskey. Gallons sure. of whiskey. We can't That's, say that yeah. he wouldn't have said, "Guys, let's not riot." Right. <laughs> he was <Yeah>. sleeping. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Oh, he gets away with it. Maybe we could take American prudism off the board. Yeah, I, I was going to say that too. Because this is more about the cadets getting like a little too amped up, not knowing when to stop. Yeah. And I think the transition from drinking and being a crazy drunk to trying to kill someone, that's like a pretty, that's a big leap. Yeah, I've never done that. When Me neither. I, I get drunk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> not trying to kill us all. I feel like... 
the cadets who manage to stay up and riot should probably go to the alarmist jail with Thayer getting the big slap. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I get this is definitely coming from your unique point of view, Rebecca. So I understand where you personally are coming from. I personally don't want 90 drunk cadets in the alarmist jail. Do you have enough guards? No, we are underfunded. It's us three. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, I don't feel good about letting them get away with it. It's like these people that are protesting masks, you know, not wearing masks. It's like, what are you doing? Uh, Follow the rules. Because Uh, then, then leave, leave not following the rules to things that really matter. I'm calling it. Thayer, you're getting the big slap. The 90 cadets who partied way too hard and got rambunctious, you're going to the alarmist jail. Party's over, boys. <laughs> no alcohol allowed in your jail. <laughs> Except for on Christmas, because we have to learn from their That I will give you, Amanda. Yes, yeah. The, they can have a Christmas party. Just on Christmas, the alarmist jail, everyone will have one cup of eggnog. (laughs) Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the eggnog riot. Thank you. And cheers to you guys. Here's eggnog for all of you. After the eggnog riot, none of the buildings from the eggnog riot remain on West Point's present day campus. But the riots did have a lasting impact on the campus's architecture. In the 1840s, when new barracks were built, they included short hallways that required cadets to exit the building entirely in order to access another floor. When they built those, they put in a measure of crowd control. It would make it more difficult for cadets to get out of hand and gather in large numbers. West Point no longer has a grand holiday celebration access to alcohol is extremely limited, so the odds of a rowdy cadets drinking too much of the good stuff remains the stuff of legends. As for eggnog itself, according to Forbes, eggnog naturally took a hit during Prohibition. As the magazine Good Housekeeping noted in 1921, most persons would be very glad to have one meal of eggnog a year, along about Christmas time, if one could invite his friends and escape the eagle eye of the Prohibition Commissioner, like all forbidden fruits, eggnog now seems particularly attractive. Forbidden fruit is the most popular tree in the national nursery. In the last 50 years, eggnog sales have quadrupled, where now we drink 130 million pounds of the stuff during the holidays. Cheers to all of our listeners. We wish you a happy holiday season. Vote for who you think is to blame by going to thealarmistpodcast.com. Follow us at the the on Twitter, at thealarmistpodcast on Instagram, or email us at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the tragic events of Jurassic Park. Powered by ACAST.